This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. For four and a half years, the Nutterslingham family have been in detention after being taken from their hometown of Bilobila, a small country town of about 6,000 people in the Banana Shire of central Queensland. Throughout this time, hundreds of thousands of supporters around the country have signed petitions, made phone calls and held protests, calling on the Australian government to bring this family home. And last week, the new Labor government did just that, allowing them to return home on bridging visas while they work to resolve their immigration status. On Friday, Queensland reporter Eden Gillespie and a dozen or so supporters gathered at an airport just outside of town. So it was a tiny airport with just one runway, surrounded by farmland, and the family's return might have been the busiest that the airport's ever been. We got there pretty early, about two hours before they touched down, and there were already friends of the family waiting in their cars. One woman actually had picked flowers from her garden and she stuck them under her windshield, and others had brought coloured streamers and welcome home signs. But one moment I saw that there were two ladies in the car next to us and they were really excited talking about the family's arrival. I asked if I could speak with them and one of the women said yes and her name was Margot Plant. Because I just happened to get here early, so yeah, I saw I might as well come and wait out here. (laughs) And it was a pretty sunny day, really, really windy. Oh, sorry, the wind is just insane. (laughs) Might just wait till this gust passed. Not ideal conditions, is it? Beautiful day, though. So for a lot of people, this marked the end of a really long fight to bring the family home. Ah, look, I've been crying to myself. I've been laughing to myself. I've just been just thinking of this moment when they touch down. It's just going to be amazing. It's very emotional for for a lot of people. So I've been in touch with them. I've watched the girls grow up through FaceTime. So that's the relationship I've had Grandma on FaceTime. I've known Kulpi since she was four months old and I've known Dani since she was four days old. Um, And they're my little granddaughters and they're so cute and I can't wait to see them. Could you just count again? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. (laughs) So could you tell me your name again? Yeah, Isabel Kelleher. And how old are you, Isabel? I'm 13. I noticed Isabel because she had been wearing this hat that had a cockatoo on it And the media obviously loved it and they swarmed her and she was very sweet with them but quite overwhelmed by all the journalists. (laughs) And how, do you know the family at all? Yeah, so my mum taught um, Nadez... (laughs) Sorry, that's my brother. Um, (laughs) Go on. My my mum taught Nadez English when we were living here and I was born here, my mum was raised here. I guess, how are you feeling at the moment? Are you feeling, uh, I'm like very like shaky at the moment. I don't know why, but I'm just very nervous and excited. Um, yeah, but we're so happy for what we have now, and we're just happy that they're home in like 20 minutes or something. So, yeah, it's amazing. These are our people here. These are our family. They're they're from Bilawila. This is this is the only place that Nadis and Priya have actually experienced safety in their whole lives. Today, Eden Gillespie speaks to the Biloela community and Priya Nardasalingam about coming home to Billo. I would like to see them try and get them out of this town now. <laughs> They'd have a fight. It's Wednesday, the 15th of June. 
Eden, I know that this family are originally from Sri Lanka and came to Australia seeking asylum. Can you tell me a bit about their, their journey to this moment? Yeah, so Priya and Nadez came to Australia a decade ago fleeing violence in Sri Lanka and they met after arriving in Australia. They were granted bridging visas, they married, they had two kids, Thanika and Kopika, and became valued members of the Biliwila community. Mm. When you speak with friends of the family, they really stress the value that the Nidasalingams have brought to Biliwila. And before gaining work rights, Nadez actually volunteered for St. Vincent's de Paul. He later worked a job pushing trolleys at Woolworths and then at the town's meatworks. Priya also became a friendly, familiar face to neighbours. She would push a stroller around Biliwila and she would also make curries for staff at the nearby hospital. Mm. Biliwila's lifeblood is mining and agriculture. And like many rural towns, these industries rely heavily on migrant and refugee workers. Mm. In March 2018, the family's visas had expired and the day after, Border Force agents conducted a a. 5am raid on their home and they were given 10 minutes to pack. They were moved to immigration detention in Melbourne. Why were they detained, Eden? So the Department of Home Affairs said that at the time the family's asylum application had been comprehensively assessed by the department, various tribunals and courts and that they have been consistently found not to meet Australia's protection obligations. Foreign nationals without a valid visa cannot stay in the country, and so therefore they could either depart voluntarily to their country of citizenship or be subject to detention and removal from Australia. Mm. So after spending time in the Melbourne Detention Centre, the Nedisalingams were later put on a flight for deportation to Sri Lanka. From inside the plane... Nadez filmed the girls screaming and crying as they were separated from their mother, Priya. Mm. This attempt to deport the family to Sri Lanka was halted by a last-minute court injunction. Their plane was stopped in Darwin and they were moved to the detention centre on Christmas Island where they spent two years, kept there at a cost of at least $6.7 million to taxpayers. Mm. And last year the family were moved to Perth after Thanika contracted sepsis and required urgent medical attention. So the three other members of the family were granted year-long visas but were forced to remain in Perth as Thanika was required to remain in community detention. Throughout this time, the Tamil family became probably the most famous example of Australia's harsh treatment of asylum seekers. Hmm. Nearly 600,000 people signed the Home to Billow Change.org petition in support of the family and more than 53,000 phone calls and emails were made to the Australian politicians from the family's supporters across the country. And in May, after Labor were elected, the Interim Home Affairs Minister, Jim Chalmers, granted the family bridging visas, allowing them to leave community detention in Perth and return to their home in Biloela, but still not guaranteeing their status on Australian shores. And then, over the long weekend, after four and a half years, they finally returned to Biloela. <laughs> What was it like when they touched down in Biloela? Yeah, so as the family walked out of Thangor Airport on Friday, Priya actually dropped to her knees and kissed the ground. I'm so happy, she said. I'm starting a new life. And Nadez was holding his daughters, put them down on the ground, and they just waved at us. What does it say? Welcome home to the Nadez blew us a kiss and then his uh, daughter Thanika blew us a kiss and the supporters, people were crying, people were screaming, welcome home. They handed Thanika and Kopika two toy cockatoos. 
uh, it, it got a little bit rowdy, but, you know, in a positive way. But, you know, it was just a real, real atmosphere of positivity, relief. And then a press conference was held where the family and friends could say a few words. Basically all in a clump. Okay. Mm -hmm. Billo, people. The cameras are here. <laughs> so let's go home. <laughs> Tell me about this press conference. Who spoke? Yeah, so the press conference was opened by Bronwyn Dendal. Today is, um, today is a very special day for the community of Biloela and Australia. Bronwyn is a friend of the family and co-founder of the Home to Billow campaign. She's also running for Labor in an upcoming by-election. I think today is the day that we prove that you should never underestimate the power of the people. And today is the day that we prove that love really does conquer all. <laughs> and then Priya got up and spoke. Hello everyone, thank you so much. Um, yeah, me and my family is very happy. Thank you to all in below community wonderful friends. I starting new life, joined in my family. So happy. Thank you. Let's do a shuffle over. Yep. <laughs> and Priya, now that you're home, what's the first thing you want to do? Build a real life. So first I have to do spend time with my friends and give a lot of hugs. The family's friend Vashini helped translate for Nadez and Priya. A lot of hugs and um, because it's been four and a half years that um, that I haven't been here, so I have lots of um, conversation, lots of hugs to do. We are going to pull up there. We know you've all got stories to file. So next media opportunity will be at Flourish Festival. So Eden, you spent the weekend with the family. What was their reception like for their first weekend back in Biloela? Yeah, so this weekend was the annual Flourish Festival, which is an event that celebrates Biloela's multicultural community. And the event was held in the town's civic centre. It was pretty packed. The family were special guests at the event and were welcomed with a smoke ceremony. Please welcome Tamil Sri Lanka! And they also wore traditional Tamil dress. Modelling for us today, some saris. Priya, a beautiful purple sari. There were a lot of different kind of performances there. There were there was a lot of singing and dancing. Everybody welcome Priya Nathalingan. At one stage, Priya and her family took to the stage and Priya spoke. Me and my family is so happy. You love and support. Now I beg to be loved. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> okay. Priya, do you mind just counting to five? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, so that day I was also able to sit down with Priya at her house and spend some time with the family there. And at the house, 
as soon as I arrived, Priya handed myself and photographer Mike Bowers a cup of tea. She wouldn't really take no for an answer, just um, was so generous in, in trying to take care of us when we arrived. And Vashini, Priya's friend, was there and able to translate for Priya. We all sat down there together at the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling after the past 24 hours? I'm feeling happy, uh, good time. So happy, my family. I think in the future, safe. Did you struggle to get to sleep last night? Like thinking a lot? No, last night is good sleep. <laughs> is that the first time in a while that you slept so well? Or? Um, oh, uh, oh, last night is good sleep. I long time not sleeping. I know the family have been fairly limited in what they can say over the years with the threat of deportation kind of hanging over them. What did Priya have to say now that that's no longer the case? Yeah, so she told me a little bit about the past four and a half years and what it was like being taken from Biluila. It was horrible things to remember. It was very disturbing me to think about it. Um, and I hope that won't happen to anyone else um, in the future. And the worst part about that all was seeing her daughters in pain. My daughter did, don't deserve those to see. They were born, purely born here. They had a good life and then, um, they don't deserve to um, go through this and they don't deserve to see um, those things, yeah. While detained in Melbourne, Thanika developed a vitamin D deficiency, which left her prone to serious and repeated infections in her teeth. And there were also reports at the time that Priya had to pre-chew her daughter's food because of the teeth issues. Uh, Priya also says that when the family came close to deportation in August of 2019, it was an incredibly traumatic time. Um, only, Only that day... I happen to know that in Australia that they will treat people badly, like that they separate my children from me, they separate my husband from me, they put in a different van, and um, you know, Tanika was screaming um, for to come to me, and I never imagined those things will happen to me in Australia because this is I came here for seeking. Um, asylum. I came here for seeking safety. From that experience I had, um, I have always had the question in my mind that asking me what do I have done to deserve this. I still thinking in four years, four and a half years in my detention life I've always asked myself what did I do done wrong. So the two major parties took a fairly similar policy on asylum seekers to the election, but during the campaign, one point of difference was their stance on the Nadasalingam family. Morrison ruled out intervening in the case, but Labor vowed to grant them visas and allow them to return to Biloela. With that in mind, what was election night like for them, Eden? Priya said that it was a really anxious night for everyone. Nades um, told me, don't lose your hope you know, keep your hopes up. And that she herself was pacing, nervously pacing the house with the TV blaring in the background. So my girls were very excited on election night too. And they were asking me, um, 
which which sign uh, red mean red color mean and blue color mean she said that she had explained to the kids earlier on that night that if there were more red seats than blue then they'd be able to return home so um, i was getting worried in the first place because there wasn't a lot of improvement in red color i also spoke to bronwyn about that night and she obviously had a lot to say because they were actually on the phone together yeah so yeah we were all together and it, we were anxious and then as it started to roll in like as the you know, more and more red was, you know, coming up onto the screen. I got really hopeful. Yeah, the excitement built and built. And uh, yeah, and then it, when it became obvious that they were going to hold at least a minority government, then um, uh, yeah, that's when we called the family. Once said the red sign is, you know, beat up the blue and mum's the red colour is actually leading and we're going home. We're going home to Pillar. So yeah. How was that conversation? We, when we rang the family, um, yeah, it was it was yeah it was amazing. Um, tears and excitement and um, relief, sheer relief. How are they settling in to their new home in Bilawila? So Priya had told me that she felt extremely grateful because before the family arrived in Bilawila, the community had really been gathering together to help them feel comfortable in their new home. Mm. They had this community fundraiser which raised $200,000 to compensate Nadez for wages that he lost while in detention. And they also moved in a bunch of furniture, you know, mattresses, linen, cutlery plates, things like this, just to make sure that from the moment they stepped foot in the house that they would have everything they need for their life to start. The family, as you say, have been granted bridging visas And it does seem likely that they will be granted permanent residency as well. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so Prime Minister Anthony Albanese was asked on Saturday about the family seeking permanent residency. Uh, They received a welcome from a town uh, that uh, wanted them home. And he said he saw no impediment to that occurring. He also said that the Nerissalingam's story and the way they've been treated over the past four to five years... I think is something that Australia can't be proud of. Uh, The youngest girl will celebrate her fifth birthday, I think, this weekend soon. It'll be the first birthday she has celebrated, uh, not in detention. We're a better country than that. We can do better than that. Next, what will the new Labor government do for the thousands of other people living in limbo in Australia's asylum seeker regime? So, Eden, there are many more refugees and asylum seekers outside of the Nadasalingam family who only have temporary protection here in Australia. What is the new Labor government planning to do for them? The Labor government has said that they will commit to scrapping temporary protection visas and this would pave the way for 19,000 others to be granted permanent protection here in Australia. Mm. I've been speaking to refugee advocates over the past week about this and they say this will leave thousands of other refugees living in limbo across Australia. According to the Asylum Seekers Resource Centre, there are 9,500 others set to remain on temporary visas. So really the change of government will actually change very little for them. Mm. And obviously keep in mind that some of these people are still held in community detention with no right to work and others are on bridging visas with no government support. 
Yeah. We'd now like to invite um, Baratham up to the microphone on behalf of the Tamil Refugee Council. Uh, hi everyone. Um, uh, deeply relieved um, to see this family here uh, today. While I was in Biluwila, uh, Baratham, an organiser from the Tamil Refugee Council, spoke at a press conference about the plight of these people especially Tamil refugees. We know that Sri Lanka is not safe for Tamils. It hasn't been for over 40, 50 years. There are many Tamil families that are in similar situations. There are many more refugees, not just Tamil refugees, that have been living in Australia, have been living in our communities. These are people that have been living here for over 10 years. We also demand that these people are given permanent protection, not just bridging visas, not just false promises. We want permanent protection. Everybody's deserving of a safe life. We want to give it to them here in Australia. So thank you. So overall, the new Labor government still completely supports Operation Sovereign Borders, which includes offshore processing, regional resettlement and boat turnbacks where safe to do. And they say that no one who has attempted to come by boat since 2013 will be allowed to settle in Australia. How do the Nutter-Salingam family feel about that, feel about Labor's policies, and especially the fact that so many people will still be living in limbo under this government? It's pretty incredible, really, because I don't feel from Priya that she is someone that holds a grudge or someone who is resentful or someone who is poisoned by kind of hatred towards the government um, after all that she's been through and her family's been through, she's quite hopeful. She told me that she hopes her experience will trigger compassion and spark a broader change in Australia's immigration policy. I'm hoping that, um, you know, the, some things will change in policies, government policy that allows other refugees to have, you know, safe life and um, from certain certainty in their life that they don't have to go through what I've been through. So I'm hoping that um, this new government will give some hope for, for other refugees too. Priya, I think, does feel some sort of obligation almost um, to speak up and to make sure that other people don't face what she has. And she hopes that one day she will not have to advocate for them, she'll not have to speak up as much to the media because the fight will be over. Mm. I'm hoping that um, if the refugee, all the refugees here get some certainty in their life, that we don't have to fight anymore, you know? We can't just stop all, all those fights and we can have a normal life, quiet life. We don't have to be in the media and every day. So I imagine it's going to be some time before they secure permanent residency. But now that it seems likely to happen, will they be able to live a fairly normal life in the meantime? Yeah, in some respects they already are. Priya says that now that they're home, she can see a future for her kids. Do you hope that your girls will like graduate uni here? Like, what what plans do you hope that they'll have in the future? Yes, I hope uh, go to study, go to the university. After my uh, both girls stream in the every day, um, is a future in the doctor. She hopes they can one day go to university 
and maybe become doctors. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, I know that also when they were driving back to their family home with their friends, the little girls are friends with one of the children of Priya's friends and they said, oh, that's where he goes to school and we can't wait to go there. So it's just little simple things that they're looking forward to and I think that really soon they will be able to get on with it. And on Sunday it was Tharnika's fifth birthday and it was her first birthday where she wasn't in hospital or in detention and mm -hmm. they celebrated with all their friends. Happy Tell me about that. What was it like? She arrived with this um, princess tiara and a sash that said birthday girl. She had this pink themed party, a koala cake, and she just seemed so happy. <laughs> We're going to now start some games. <laughs> so there are a lot of supplies. So if adults want to play too. <laughs> there were all these really sweet kids games at the party, you know, things like musical chairs, pass a parcel. I think that it was a really nice example of the sort of ordinary life that hopefully the family can return to in the years ahead. Don't worry, press the music. Pass the parcel. Pass the parcel. Pass the parcel, stop. And then you unwrap. You know what to do, unwrap. That was Eden Gillespie, a Queensland reporter for Guardian Australia. You can check out all of her reporting from the weekend at theguardian.com, which includes some really wonderful photos and videos by photographer Mike Bowers, who also assisted with recording for this episode. This episode was produced by Joe Koning, Karishma Luthria and Jane Lee. Sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson and me, Laura Murphy-Oates. If you like this episode, you can leave a rating or a review. It does help other people find the show. Okay, catch you tomorrow.